everything is digital, which means it leaves data and what's going on with that data, who's got access to that data and, and so on and so on. How long do you keep that data? It's a lot of questions that come up the more we get you know, into this more digital interactions and more digital transactions that are taking place. Welcome to the Human Insight Podcast, where we help you bridge the empathy gap to bring you a valuable new understanding of some of the most innovative ideas and trends shaping the future of business and customer experience. Hi, everyone. I'm Janelle Estes, Chief Insights Officer at User Testing. And today we're very excited to have Brent Leary joining us on the Human Insight Podcast. Brent is a CRM industry analyst, advisor, author, speaker, and award-winning blogger. Thanks so much for joining us today, Brent, and welcome to the show. Uh, Janelle, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. So can, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your, your background? I know we, I just covered quite a bit there in the intro, um, but I'd love to learn a little bit more about, about you and, and what's keeping you busy these days. Yeah, I'm kind of glad this is a podcast so people can't see all the gray in my beard at this point. But uh, I've been uh, a serum industry uh, analyst or observer, as I like to say, uh, for the better part of two decades. And before that, I was actually doing CRM implementations for uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers and some other uh, companies. So, yeah, I've been uh, it's been really interesting watching just how much CRM has changed and also, how much it hasn't changed in those <laughs> in that time period, but it's a fascinating ride, and there's a lot, lots of things going on, which keeps me kind of keeps me busy trying to keep up with all these things going on. Yeah, it, so- it sounds about right. I love the idea of uh, framing yourself as an observer. You know, um, it it makes a lot of sense um, because you're you're able to, and it sounds like you're able to sort of, and you have sort of uh, observed, as you said, the industry. Um, for a better part of a couple of decades. So I'm excited to uh, pick your brain a little bit here. So I actually have a um, a question around customer centricity. Um, so I think you and I both have heard that term used quite prolifically uh, over the last decade plus. Um, what would you say is customer centricity and what role does CRM play in uh, a company who's trying to be customer centric. Yeah, it's uh, a term has been around quite a bit, and other terms have kind of come behind it, like uh, I guess customer three hundred and sixty view and things like that. But really, a, a customer centric organization is one who really looks beyond the transaction. A lot of, uh, especially over the, the past couple of decades, it felt like, uh, at least from a customer standpoint they were pretty much being valued just by the transaction and, and not by the, everything else that they could actually offer in terms of you know, helping to improve the product or service or look at ways that you, know, you could actually incorporate them into you know, the company beyond the, what, the single transaction or the monthly uh, subscription <laughs> that uh, companies you know, offer them. So I think companies that are that are able to do that to look beyond the transaction, actually be able to listen and and engage customers beyond the financial benefits to the company, um, they are companies that become uh, customer centric, and they they're the ones that 
really benefit the most because if you're able to do that, chances are customers are going to stick around longer. You're going to get more insights and have a better understanding of where they are and where they need to go and then be able to help them along the journey, not try to guide them, but to listen and help. And maybe there is some guidance, but you don't get that if you just look at a customer as a transaction. You know, they're only worth as much as you know the $29.99 a month. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, kind of the, where I see it. And CRM, really, it started out as basically a place to hold data. Um, you know, it didn't, and, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people that still view it like that. Um, but CRM is a good place to kind of manage your data, but it's it's kind of a foundational piece to the strategy of engaging customers beyond the transaction. You know, being able to help them. Uh, based on being able to observe, you know, what they're doing and what they're trying to do and leverage CRM as a, as a place to capture that data and analyze that data. But then the real work comes in, in in creating products and services and experiences that are not just, you know, delivered because of data. They're delivered because it's kind of the right thing to do in helping them in their journey. So yeah, CRM is, I think is a pretty foundational part, but it's not, the end all be all. And that makes a lot of sense. And it's almost as I'm sure as the world of CRM has progressed, like you mentioned, it's um, it's a place to hold data, manage data, and perhaps even tell a story with data uh, and how your customers engage with you over time. But to your point, that's not the only way um, we work to understand our customers. It's almost like I see it as a two-sided, it's a two, I guess a two-way conversation, right? It's what you um, you perceive about your own customers through your data, but then it's also listening and talking to them um, as human beings, like you mentioned, to really, you know, putting those two things together really tells that holistic story. There's often this tension, right, between customers being tracked, right, and tracking that data in an effort to provide better experiences versus being very transparent about that tracking with customers uh, to sort of increase brand trust. So can you talk a little bit about that tension? Do you see that in the world of, of CRM and sort of the industry that you've been looking at for the last couple of decades? Yeah, I think you can see it, feel it, smell it, hear it, all that stuff uh, a lot more over the last couple of years than even before, because I think uh, as the term digital transformation really took root in more companies, started, you know, going down that line and more of the interactions and transactions between customers and, and uh, companies have become digital. Well, the more digital your interactions are, the more trackable they are, you know, more data you can capture. And then it's not about just, you know, the single transaction. It's okay. Well, what leads to that transaction? What can lead, how can we use data to get more transactions? And so, it starts out, I think maybe in some uh, circumstances, it does start out with a company wanting to provide better products and services and experiences, you know, for the customer, because that, you know, that'll be good for the company. But along the way, you know, that capturing data provides uh, opportunities that they probably weren't even uh, thinking about originally, but because you're able to capture and, and, and look at all this data, then all of a sudden, some of the activities go from, well, we're doing this because it's good for the customer 
to, oh, well, you know, this is actually good for us. I mean, and I think that's where, you know, we kind of have the where we are today with this stuff is a lot of this data is being captured and used in ways that customers aren't even given the opportunity to say yay or nay to. And so when it gets to that point, customers, of course, lose trust because eventually your customers are going to be like, why are you collecting that? And because they don't see that as a benefit to them. They see that as a benefit to the company. So I think we're at a point now where there's a lot of skepticism from the customers because you're not only looking, you know, comp- customers feel like you're not only looking to make a you know, make a, a sale off me. Now you're looking to use my data, you know, in addition to my, my transactions to do stuff. And a lot of that stuff is things that I wouldn't have said, you know, yes to if I knew about it up front. So I think we're, you know, privacy is really um, just starting to become at the forefront of customers because of all the stories and all the things we're hearing. I think the Apple iOS update opened a lot of people's eyes about, you know, what these apps are, how, how these app vendors are collecting all sorts of data. And then how that data is ending up in people's hands that you know customers have no direct relationship with. So yeah, I think we're now starting to see consumers, you know, because of their experience and their kind of knowledge of what's been taking place, start to fight back. And companies who aren't in tune with that and don't understand what's going on and why customers are feeling this way are the ones that are going to be left behind. And it probably won't take too long for them to really feel it. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely sensed that shift. Do you have recommendations for uh, companies who might be listening, who are kind of grappling with this issue of, you know, how, how do you communicate this to your customers in a way that actually builds trust versus sort of alienates them, which is really what's happening? Yeah, I think it's, it's not that difficult, but Maybe it is that difficult. It's uh, if you trust what you're doing is right, then you should be able to tell that story to customers because, you know, consumers, they know that you guys, companies, vendors are in business, you know, to to sell them stuff, products, services, you know, for hopefully create experiences that are good and create value that's you know good on both ends. Uh, and we understand that as consumers, you know, we know there's no free lunch. Um, but companies, you know, they have been, they just haven't been really forthright about how they're using the data. And, and because of that, the trust is being broken. I think if you, if you say, Hey, I want to use this data that, uh, from you to create better experiences. Um, but also, Hey, I'm going to benefit, you know, from it too, because we're going to use it, you know, to try to provide better products and services. But it would also benefit us because, you know, hopefully that means we'll sell more stuff to you. I think, you know, generally speaking, customers will understand it. What customers are not understanding is, you know, okay, I loaded your software on my website and, uh, you know, to help me create a, a more effective and efficient website. But I didn't know that by loading, you know, this plugin from you that I'm going to load trackers from 20 different companies. Uh, that I have absolutely no relationship to. And I don't know what they're doing with my data. It's stories like that that really sours the relationship that vendors have with customers. But if they would just be honest and open and say, okay, look, you know, either A, we're never going to do that, or B, 
this is what we're doing. This is who our relationships are with. This is what your data is going out towards. And this is what it should do for you. Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to benefit too, but this is what, you know, our, this is what it is uh, from your standpoint. This is what it means for you guys. Some people are going to say, heck no. Uh, or maybe some stronger language. Um, but there'll be people that will say, okay, you know, I get that. I understand that. Thank you for telling me that up front. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. So, so putting the customer in, in the driver's seat in terms of how they choose um, to have their data used and also being transparent, perhaps even framing it in a way where it communicates the benefits to the customer, not just the, what, what the company is doing it for. I would say it, it's even letting them know, yeah, this is what we're doing it for and what how we benefit from it. It, it, it benefits the customer, but hey, all right, yeah, it benefits us too. It's better to be open about it and 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 say, yeah, you're going to benefit. We're going to benefit. We all benefit as opposed to kind of, kind of making it feel a little bit too altruistic. Oh, we're just doing it for you guys. Chances are they're not. I was having a discussion with some friends uh, over the weekend. Now, when you get something delivered to your home, you'll receive a picture of the delivery uh, and it will show the, the item or package in your garage or on your front doorstep, just to show confirmation that the package had actually been delivered. And we were laughing because, you know, we were looking at the, when you see those pictures in the app, you're just sort of like, oh God, is that my messy garage? Is that really what my garage <laughs> looks like? Um, so we were kind of cracking up about that. But then the conversation sort of divulged in the sense of like, well, what are they doing with those pictures? What are they, <laughs> are they looking at what's in my garage? Are they to, to use that as an opportunity to market new products to me, to sell to me in different ways? Like, And I think that that is the reality of the way consumers mm. think today, right? Everyone's very skeptical and almost paranoid at this point. Yeah, I love that example because on the surface, it's like, okay, yeah, you get it. Uh, you're telling us that it's been delivered where it is. And, you know, that's great. But then, like you said, wow, they're capturing a whole lot of data. What's going on with those pictures after the fact? What are they sizing us up to, to, to send us advertising for things that it looks like we may need? You know, so I. Uh, but if you're open about it and say, hey, yeah, we're using this, A, it's used to make sure that you see that we delivered it. And then if you you can do one, go one or two ways. And once we know it's been delivered, we get rid of it or, all right, yeah, we don't, we hang on to it. We may do something with it to improve the experience, but those pictures aren't going away. At least you know what's up because now you really don't. And, and you have these conversations like you were having with your friend. Oh, Wow. I wonder what the, you know what they're doing with these pictures. It's it's the same with the facial recognition stuff. What are you doing with those pictures? Well, we kind of know what they're doing. some of this stuff is being done with. But everything is digital, which means it leaves data. And what's going on with that data? Who's got access to that data? And and so on and so on. How long do you keep that data? It's a lot of questions that come up the more we get, you know, into this more digital interactions and more digital transactions that are taking place. Yep, absolutely. So um, I want to shift gears a little bit to, you know, we've been talking about data data capture by, by the company tracking behaviors that, um, you know, behaviors and actions to better understand your customers. 
But then there's this whole other element, which we talked a little bit about at the beginning, about having real conversations, getting cost, actually capturing customer feedback versus just actions and behaviors. So can you talk a little bit about how the role of customer listening um, fits into this ecosystem, I guess, of, of customer understanding? Well, I think good good customer-centric companies are good listeners, generally speaking. It's not just about, you know, hey, we got a new product. Uh, we'd love for you to buy it. It's, it's like, you know, we really want to understand what you're trying to do with your, your business or what you're trying to do with your, you know, this product. What, what is your need? What are you trying to do, you know, to improve your life? And because that gives you much further understanding of what's going on beyond you trying to sell them something to you understand, you know, what they're trying to do, what they're, you know, are they trying to improve this or that? And when you have that, uh, the greater understanding, then typically that means you learn a lot. And now you have to try to apply what you learn as opposed to talking a lot. And, you know, I'm worried about selling you this more than I'm worried about understanding what you're trying to do or, or what you're, you know, what you're trying to improve. And, and that's just a much better, to me, a much better situation to be in because once again, you, you may be in a moment in time where you're trying to sell something, but it's just a moment in time. You want to be able to build a relationship that allows, you know, your customers and prospects to, you feel like they can talk to you and it's worth their time talking to you because that discussion actually improves, you know, on something that they're trying to do or solve something that they're trying to do. But that, even that is a moment in time. So what you want to do is build a relationship that creates a bunch of moment in time strung together because that creates the the journey that everybody talks about. And the journey is you can't, as a company, you can't dictate that journey. Uh, maybe in the past you could because, you know, there was choice was limited and switching was, you know, hard for you know, a lot of folks to do in, you know, different, different kinds of products and service. There are different kinds of switching costs and, and all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, uh, the more things go digital, the less those hurdles are involved, which puts the power more so in the hands of the, the customer. And because of that, you really have to, you know, be open to the real time challenges and changes that happen to customers and, and how they're able to and what kind of their focus is at the minute. You can't do that if you're just worried about, you know, selling stuff. You, you have to be really, you know, in tune with what's going on with them and and be able to do that over, hopefully over an extended period of time. So you can't just do that if you're just in sales mode all the time. You have to be able to listen and then not just listen and say, I you know, I feel your pain. All right, can you, sit, can you buy my stuff now? You, you got to be able to listen and then put what you heard into some sort of new experience, new product, new service. And that'll extend the life of the relationship. And it also will chart the journey in a way that, you know, the customer, you're getting the, you know, kind of the, the intake from the customer that helps chart the journey and, and helps you shape the journey in a way that, you know, the customer is kind of directing the way that they need it to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something too about looking beyond data and connecting with actual customers as human beings that helps people, you know, it's the idea of, you know, how your brain responds to stories and storytelling. 
a good way to do that in this space is to, you know, talk to a customer or two or 10 or a hundred over time and really get to know them as human beings and not just these data points that you're, you're tracking. And I think it, it sparks creativity for the team as well. So not only are you making that connection, but you're also, you have that person in mind when you're in solutioning mode or when you're coming up with creative ways to solve the problems that you've identified. And that's something that you've talked about um, in terms of how companies need to get better at listening to customers to kind of spark creativity. Can you expand a bit on that? Yeah, the, the whole creativity, it, it almost feels like you, I can even and kind of couch it in, in terms of the way that digital transformation was approached pre-pandemic and and I think during and, and it definitely going to be taking place post-pandemic. I, I think originally when folks talked about transformation, they really talked about how can we be more efficient with what the way that we do things, that the, the same things that we do, I would like to do those more efficiently. And so digital transformation, you know, this is just a, a very high level generalization, but it feels like digital transformation was more about digital translation or digital transition, meaning we're focused on doing what we always do, but more efficiently. And if we can find ways to use technology to do the same thing, what with using less resources and and taking less time, that's that's our our plan for digital transformation, which really wasn't. It was digital transition or translation, and I think that's the kind of you know now that we got forced into the pandemic and things had that had to shut down like overnight, and so the way that we always did things like go to the store or you know do all these kind of in the traditional way we did that, we couldn't do it for a while. So that forced us to be, had to look in a way, in different ways to do that stuff. And I think that's kind of where you saw a lot of creativity and, and more open-mindedness because it, quite honestly, we were forced into it. But a lot of good came out of that. A lot of companies did change, you know, their approach, their business model, you know, to do something because they couldn't do it the way they were traditionally. And that was full transformation. So I think there's a lot of creativity that came out of that. There's a lot of innovation that came out of that. And, and it was, I think that actually definitely carries through to even more of that going forward, because I think companies found out, my goodness, we, I, I never thought about where we could do, go out of the box and do this or that because they were so stuck in that box and they were just looking for trans, uh, technology to be more efficient about how they were able to act in that box. Now I think the box is widened and sometimes in some ways it's actually gone. And so the, the companies that are finding the most success are the ones that have said, all right, just throw out the boxes. Wow. What can this stuff do? And maybe how can we, how will it allow us to be, have an even better relationship with customers because now we're doing things that we hadn't even dreamed of doing but now we know we can do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always talk about how with the pandemic and and how businesses have built and built these models and operating their business on customer behavior that was fairly predictable. All of that went out the window, right? When people were, yeah. you know, buying lots and lots of toilet paper or, you know, moving almost overnight to this buy online pickup curbside. Like there's so many shifts in how people have done things. And, and really the, the forward looking 
future is somewhat unpredictable. And so really the only way that you can get a good understanding of what your customers need and to make the right decisions, build the right experiences, create the right solutions, spark creativity is to understand what they need as people uh, and act on that. So you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) Um, I'll pass the plate to you now. We can take up an offering. and. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In one of your weekly LinkedIn live events, you said that even though technology is making things easier to do, it doesn't seem to be getting any easier to find, catch, and keep good customers. Can you talk a bit about why that's the case? Yeah, I think that was during a conversation with, we call ourselves the four horsemen of the CRM apocalypse. All of us have been around for a couple of decades talking about this stuff. I think it's because you look at the technological developments over the past decade or even five years. I mean, guess what we're doing now? I wasn't doing this a decade ago or you know, even five years ago. Uh, but I mean, we got all this great uh, technology that allows us to pretty much have our own, you know, broadcast networks, streaming broadcast networks. Uh, and, and then we have all these different devices. You know, I, I think I just, you know, bought a, a phone that has like a terabyte of storage in it. I mean, that stuff is unheard of a decade ago. But, you know, so the technology, technological developments haven't slowed down a bit. But that's not all the, the you know, the, the formula. Of course, you mentioned it. The, the formula is how to be more human, how to connect on different levels, how to go beyond you know, the transaction and, and have a real relationship with customers. And so that challenge has been there all the time. And even as the technology is ramped up, it doesn't feel like we have caught up on the relationship front, the way the technology has moved uh, so quickly. So I think, you know, it's about who uses the technology and how they use it more so than the technology itself. And that's why I keep saying, yeah, we can reach more people with technology. We have these platforms that makes it easy for us to do things like this. But that doesn't mean that we're doing or getting any better with actually building a relationship. And that takes a different kind of skill set. It takes a different kind of level of effort that takes change in some instances, changing the mindset to think more about the uh, the person that we're trying to deal with than the transaction that we're trying to you know get so that we can you know feed our families is very important of course but if you're just focused on that then you're not going to be able to do what you know find catch and keep uh build strong relationships build long-term relationships that in itself takes more than you know the latest and greatest technology I love that analogy or, or sorry, maybe it's not an analogy. I, I love sort of the, the reference that you made around or comparison that technology has advanced so much and how we do things, yet we haven't advanced our way and how we build relationships and, and understand our customers. Um, and it's really interesting, right? Because when you think about building relationships, I think many people's minds often go to these one-on-one relationships, at least in some cases, mine does. Um, because those are the best, those best relationships you make are when you have a human to human contact. But we all know in the reality of digital and these growing businesses, 
that's not always possible and it doesn't really scale. So how do you think about that? How do you scale customer understanding uh, to sort of catch up with the technology advancements that we've made? Yeah, I think it's difficult, but you know, I do I, I do uh, some of a, a pretty significant amount of focus on uh, the SMB space. And, you know, if you look at mom and pop shops, you know, local businesses, um, people, you know, you know, they used to come to the store. I hope they come back soon. I think they're coming back. But it was almost innate. It was very natural for these folks to build really close relationships with their customers because they showed that they were interested. You know, they showed that, you know, they had a smile. They actually knew their their names and, and their family and, and things like that. And when you have those kind of relationships, it makes it very easy to keep them longer. And, and I think what's going on currently is that these smaller business SMB space, because folks haven't been able to come in the way they, they used to, they are going through their own digital transformation, which allows them to reach a much broader audience of people. People are now selling things that they used to sell just locally. Now they're selling them to folks in you know across the globe because they you know they realized they had to you know digitize. They realized they had to use the uh, the web to reach you know, a broader audience. And now that they begin to do that, now their goal and, and maybe it's a little more difficult is to try to replicate that very innate relationship building they have face-to-face, trying to do that with folks that they may not ever see, but want to buy their products and they want to, you know, continually, you know, try to build those kind of relationships. So I think the challenge is really, how do we use all this technology to be more human, to show empathy? And I'm seeing company folks to be able to do that because you know i'll give you a great example i i just signed up for this service um it's a friend of mine is has a a big kind of anniversary uh for the book that he wrote so i wanted to show some sort of um, appreciation um for what he did and and how important that book has been and so I was like, yeah, uh, let me see if I could use uh, find a service that allows me to do these the video testimonials so I can you know, show him just how many people really appreciate all he's done. So I found this service called Tribute, and it makes it really easy for you to do that. So I signed up for it on a Saturday night. I had issues getting started with it. I, so I was like, oh, my gosh. All right, I'll shoot you. I signed an email. I'll shoot him an email. I know I probably won't hear back from it if I'm lucky until, you know, the following Monday. Within an hour, I got a phone. Uh, I got an email back saying, oh, I would love to be able to help you out. And this is somebody I had. Uh, I don't know where they are, but I know they're not local to me. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, thanks for sending me this. Uh, this is the problem I'm having. Uh, I'm sure, you know, like, I'm just glad that you responded. L- let me know that, you know, you get this. So not only did he respond right back. Um, he's like, look, we, we cover you 24 seven, you know, uh, if I'm not available, somebody else will be available, but I would love to help you right now. So what did that do from my perspective? It's like, oh my God, this guy, I, I don't know this person at all, but they're being attentive. They're being responsive. They solved my issue and they did it on a Saturday night, 
that makes me want to, you know, tell other people about this service, which is what I did. Uh, and I think it's just being available and being accessible and, and being helpful. And that goes a long way. Now, a lot of the companies, you know, that are kind of on the smaller side um, that are maybe more digital native, I think they get it. I think the companies that are less digital native are trying to figure it out. And I, and I think that's helpful, but it's just about being human. I, I just had a question. I thought for sure I was not going to get an answer right away. I was, I was prepared not to you know look until Monday and within an hour I got it. And it was a friendly interaction. It wasn't uh, you know, like a, uh, thank you for sending this email. We did get it. Uh, somebody will get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. I mean, we hate those emails. I, I, it's good to get, you know, that uh, somebody responded, but the response I got from, from that person was way better than that canned response. And that just in that short time period, they built somebody, uh, a relationship with somebody uh, that is going to sell their services for a long time because it was that interaction service is great, but it was that interaction that made me say, wow, I need to, Hey, if you're going to do this, this is the company you need to go to. And the reason I said that is not because it's a great service, but it is, it's because there are actual people (laughs) who are helpful. and And I told this whole story, like I'm telling now, that's how you do it. Yeah. It's a great example. And you're right when you have those types of experiences, you almost, you're you're dying to tell other people when you have the opportunity because they are so few and far between and they're almost delightful. (laughs) You know, they're the, they're a service (laughs) expect, you know, it's a service interaction, customer service interaction. And you're, and you have expectations of how that works, right? That the automated response will get back to you in a few days. Um, But the fact that it was different and different in a good way, yeah. Those are th- those are the things that stick. That's for sure. All right. So wearing uh, your prediction hat, which um, also has a Rams logo on it, <laughs> how will customer data tracking, AI, machine learning, privacy concerns and rules, and and really sort of the the customer life cycle? How, what we just talked about. How is this all going to look in five years? Well, it's uh, funny because as Fast as data is being created today, I don't think we've seen anything yet. More devices are being brought into the house. More interactions are, are going digital. And all that means is just an unbelievable amount of data is going to be created almost like every second. And so that means that there's going to be lots of data, a lots of things about us that is are going to be digitized and transmitted back to the vendors that we uh, deal with. And to me, that's a bit scary if you think about it, because of all the things we kind of already talked about and yet and still more data, we're going to be wearing, you know, more wearable devices, more health systems, tracking our, you know, our, you know, real time, you know, blood pressure and, and all these kinds of things. And, and kind of on the, the positive, a lot of good could come out of that. You know, a lot better health opportunities come out of that. Uh, maybe better experiences for shopping or you know taking in data. Um, so there's definite positives. The drawback is, at least the way I see it currently, is all right. All that data is going into you know hands of people who have yet to be very open and transparent 
about how they're current they're using our current data and how they used our data in the past. Now, I think from a, a consumer perspective, knowledge is kind of powerful. And so we we feel like we know more about things and we feel like maybe there's more opportunity to engage with vendors who are more upfront and truthful about things that how things are going to be used and how they're going to use the data. Uh, and I think, you know, eventually there's probably going to be some legislation involved in that, but it's going to be an ongoing challenge because it almost feels like some vendors, I'm not, I don't want to overgeneralize, you know, sometimes they start down this path with all good intent, but that data is almost sort of like some sort of a, you know, an aphrodisiac or something. It's like, you know, I, I can't live without the customer data because it gives me opportunities to do th so many different things. And sometimes you start down that path and then you end up crossing you know, over to the dark side. And it's kind of hard once you cross over to the dark side, it's kind of hard to be open and transparent. It's kind of hard to, you know, think about the customer and not just about how that benefits you. And, you know, data is like, I want to say the new oil or something like that. So, yeah, I think whew, it's it's going to be an ongoing battle with all this great technology and all this great capabilities. The technology is only as good as the people who use it and the companies who use it. And companies are, you know, they they have to make money. And so sometimes, you know, balancing that need with, you know, customer data privacy and what's best for customers and, and things of that nature, it's a fine line. And I don't see that changing. I see it. I see that decision becoming harder and harder because more data is coming to their, you know, coming into their door. Yeah. There's quite a bit of tension between those two things. And I think you're right that that tension will only become greater. So um, we're going to switch gears. I'm going to move over to what we call lightning questions. It's just a handful of quick questions that we ask everybody that comes on the show. Um, so just anything, anything that kind of comes to mind and we'll move them, through them pretty quickly. So um, is there a book that you've read recently that you'd recommend to our listeners? Uh, actually, that's funny. I, I do I just got this book from slave ship to Harvard and it's by James H. Johnson. It's a book about a gentleman who was a slave uh, back in the 1800s. One of his great, great, great grandchildren was a doctor from Harvard and kind of tying the story of the, the great, great, great grandfather to the, the ancestor that graduated from Harvard Medical School. Um, what a journey. Awesome book. Awesome story. Please, anybody who's interested even remotely curious about it, should check it out. There's a story that tracks for both of the individuals in in the book. So another thing that you know we we hear from our customers and and just from the industry at large, you know, there's this idea that we can never get enough data about our customers. Yet sometimes we can be a little bit less, or we can be a little more thrifty around actually reaching out to our customers and getting customer feedback and, and doing the human type of customer understanding. So any advice you'd mm. give to listeners who are sort of in that kind of conundrum where 
it's like the organization just wants more and more data and maybe not as much on the, the, the human side. So any, any tips you'd give them to convince others? Just think about your own or tell your bosses to think about what they want when they're a consumer or how they want to be treated when they're in a bind and they need help and assistance. It's not always about the end, end uh, transaction. Uh, one of the things, I know this is a lightning round, but uh, a stat, or I, I think I saw earlier this year from one of these uh, vendor reports was that call center, you know, just blew up, of course, during a pandemic. You know, people are calling for all sorts of reasons that they're having issues with. But 40% of those calls apparently were people just wanted to talk to another human being which I found incredibly amazing. So just think about your own personal needs as you, you know, interact and, and tell your kind of your, your uh, team what they, you know, how they should act towards customers because you can't look at them as a transaction. I, I know I keep saying that. If you think of them as a transaction, you're going you're gonna to lose them eventually because they're actually humans. And humans need more than just facts and figures. Yeah, absolutely. So another question for you. Uh, when you think about the future of CRM, of uh, customer centricity, what are you most excited about? Wow. I, I love the ability that we all are having to do things like this. I've seen, I spent a lot of time on YouTube and um uh, like I bought, whenever I buy a new piece of technology, um, I don't go to the vendors. I go to YouTube and these, a bunch of these folks, probably like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. It almost feels like they have their own TV show. Uh, and it, I mean, it looks like anything that you would see on the traditional, you know, broadcast channels. And it's just individuals who have a passion and they have, you know, bought what they needed. And, and it's not just, oh, we got this great technology. No, they have created, you can see they've created scripts and they are following a blueprint. They're telling a story. They're showcasing, you know, things that can and can be done. And I find that just great. And I think, you know, the, I guess you call it the creator economy. I think it's really cool for folks who we were limited, you know, when I was a kid uh, to like three or four channels. To see what we've got today, I, I mean, I hardly ever look at the the traditional broadcast networks because there's way more going on uh, with the creator economy and, and things like YouTube and TikTok and all these things or things that we like we're doing with podcasting. I think it's great. And I think that's, uh, you know, you learn a lot from these folks that you would have never have seen or heard of before uh, because we were so limited in scope to having to look, just see what's on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, whatever. So yeah, I, that's what I'm excited about. And I'm doing some of that, you know, with the, the live stream stuff and, you know, I, I get more and more interested and there's more and more opportunities to do these kinds of things. So I really get being excited because it gives a more ways, a more exciting ways to connect with folks. And, and, and I know I've had an opportunity you know, people that I never heard of or never knew were even paying attention to this stuff, you know, the LinkedIn lives and things like that. I'm always surprised at how many people say, oh, uh, by the way, I saw you the other day. I was watching this. Like, really? I didn't even know you <laughs> No, I had. I was doing these kinds of things. 
I, I get excited about being able to use these different you know channels and technologies to connect in ways that two or three years ago you just wouldn't be able to do. And you think about the amount of progress we've made in, in just a few years, you know, what, what comes next? And I think that's right. It's, it's exciting to think about what, how this all evolves. Absolutely. So Brent, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really great conversation. Really appreciate your perspective. Um, I think we could have probably extended this another hour, um, but uh, <laughs> great to have you on and, and thanks so much. Thank you. I love the love the conversation we just had. Lots of things pop into my head right now because of it. Want to keep the conversation going? You can visit our podcast hub, usertesting.com slash podcast, and check out past episodes. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play so you can never miss a good episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts.